0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Genesis 35 and 16 through 19. The Bible says, And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name, but no But his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And so I'm just going to speak for just a few moments tonight. I'm going to hold my title I have a very long opening and then a very short closing. So in about an hour or so, we'll come back to this. Don't feel like we're going to leave it and not come back. We will come back to that. But if you would, would you lay your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands one more time? Let's pray and ask the Lord to anoint his already anointed word. Lord Jesus, we praise you tonight and we thank you for the, for the privilege that you have given us to enter into this house. God, to enter into your presence, Lord Jesus, and to feel your presence. I'm asking you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to anoint every soul in this place. Anoint me to to speak your word. Anoint us to receive it, Lord God, and we'll we'll forever praise you for it, for the word and for who you are. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I've heard it said many times that in that in any given life, any given time in your life, you're in one of three categories. You're either going into a trial, you're either in the middle of a trial, or you're coming out of one, headed right back into another. Sounds a little disheartening, but it's nonetheless the truth. You see, in this journey that we call life, it's marked by a myriad of events. It's most likely that we will experience every human emotion during the course of a life. Happiness, sadness, heartache, joy, just to name a few. Many times, these circumstances and these situations that come about will dictate the very actions and the emotions that are carried out and experienced. We experience great joy and great happiness during good things that happen to us. Yet on the other hand, we experience great sadness and anxiety during the distresses and the losses that come our way. As it would seem, these emotions and these reactions are a very natural occurrence. There's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves, however, there are some circumstances that can take us into extremes. It can seem to be so bad that it can skew our vision, making us only see one dimensionally. We can get so caught up in a moment or in a season of time that it can literally change our outlook on the world. It can literally and quite possibly change our perspective on the future. You see, when clouds hang low and the sky looks dark, it seems as though there may be no good thing that can come out of this. But what we must understand is that there will be seasons and there will be circumstances that we must walk through. You see, it's just life. It's inevitable. It's undeniable. But what we must guard ourselves against is allowing that, that circumstance or that thing to affect our outlook and our faith in God. You see, I understand that I speak to men and I speak to women who are absolutely holy and unequivocally committed to God. I know that I speak to men and women tonight who are absolutely devoted and live for God. But there is a question that begs an answer in this place at this moment. It's of the utmost importance that we ask this question to ourselves and then we take a deep, long look within for the answer. That question tonight is, do we really trust him? Do we really trust him? Do we really trust God? with our lives, can we not only say that we trust him, but can we display that trust as we live out the seasons of this life? It's a question that begs an answer. Possibly the most recognized psalm in the Bible. David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He he maketh me Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can't help but look at David in his life. I I just can't help it. I speak about him often. It's just that he is so fascinating to me to know that a man that often found himself in dire circumstances was able to to take situations that were surrounded by potential life-ending calamity, yet he always displayed trust. David took all the emphasis off of the situation and put all of his trust in the Lord. Let's take a look at that again. Notice that he said, through the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley. You see, through denotes a straightforward movement. And he said walk. He did not say wander. And he did not say walk in. He said, when I walk through the valley. Not standing, not stalling, walking. Not meandering. Not meandering around, but through. Through. I'm here to tell you tonight that there's hope in the valley. Because he said when I walk through the valley, not in the valley, but through the valley, I'm going straight through. I'm telling somebody tonight that whatever you're in, wherever you found yourself tonight or yesterday or even tomorrow, you're going through this, not in this. You're coming through wherever you find yourself. You won't stay there. But here's the kicker you got to trust in the Lord. You have to trust him through the process. Because you see, the opposite tonight of trust is fear. And fear is a deal breaker. David said, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Even though I'm in the valley, even though I'm walking through the turmoil and the hardship, you have to know that God is with you. The Old Testament is replete with words, fear not. Jesus told his disciples over and over again not to fear, and he promised us that he would be with us until the end of the world. I don't have time to read it tonight, but the entire chapter of John 14 tells of the peace and the assurance that is found in him, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost that would come and give us that peace. You see, the fact of the matter is that there will be valleys and there will be hardships, but we must trust him that he will be with us. And if you do that, if you walk with him through that, his goodness and his mercy will be following after you on the other end of the circumstance. You see, we have to understand that there is purpose for everything. There is purpose for everything. And trust that the Lord has our best interest at heart. How do I know that? Paul said in Romans 8 and 28, and this is going to be a lengthy reading, but please bear with me. Paul said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. What shall we then say to these things? We sang it just a minute ago. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through all the peril the Apostle Paul encountered in his life, all the turmoil that he endured, shipwreck lost at sea, perils of robbers and hunger, thirst and nakedness, all the turmoil, labors and stripes upon his back, imprisonment, death, stonings, betrayal, pain and agony, a thorn in his flesh that he could not get away from, a constant unwanted companion. He could still stand firmly planted with two feet in an attitude that said, none of these things move me. None of these things are going to get me off track. None of these things are going to take me off of my purpose. I will not allow it. Why? How could he say such a thing after all the hardship that he had suffered? He answered it. He answered it in verse 38. He said, for I am persuaded. I am persuaded. A man who murdered... A man who cast men and women into prison, splintering families and separating children from parents. How could he stand and say that I am persuaded that God will bring me out of anything that I am currently in? What was it that solidified his stance? What was it that strengthened his resolve? It was that road to Damascus experience that sealed his trust in his God. It was his experience that Jesus Christ would even speak to him much less give him the plan of salvation to preach unto the Gentiles. It was his experience that Jesus would save him from a life destined for hell that made him stand upon two flat feet and say, I know that is unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So what does that mean? I'm here to tell you tonight, if you have received the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues, if you have repented of your sins and you have been baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you that you have already experienced the greatest miracle that anybody could ever experience on planet Earth the fact that God has reached down and cleansed you from a life of sin and has pulled you out of the miry clay, that should be testament enough that he will keep his hand on you no matter what you may find yourself in, any situation, any circumstance. However, the fact that he has saved you does not eliminate the possibility and the probability of trial. Trial. And tribulation. Jesus said in John 16 and 33, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Not maybe, not might, might possibly. No, he said shall. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus did not reach down out of heaven into a body and walk on this earth for for 33 and a half years preaching repentance, dying on a cross and rising again. He did not reach down and pull you out of the miry clay to just watch you flip and flounder on your own. We've got to understand that everything that happens to us is for a purpose. Now, I understand that that's a broad statement. I understand that's a very cutting statement. And it may even raise a few eyebrows to say, how can everything that happens to me be for me and for a purpose? You see, it's hard to get our minds wrapped around this. It's hard to understand that when the doctor report comes in less than what we want to hear. It's hard to keep it all in perspective when there's downsizing and cutbacks. It's difficult to believe this during loss and devastation and debilitating circumstance. It's hard to imagine that one singular negative event could be good for us. But hear me. I am not saying that all singular negative events are Good for you. I'm not saying that they are good for you. Let me pause here and explain. I'm not talking to people or about people that live haphazardly into the wind. I'm not speaking about folks that are blown blown about with every wind of doctrine and every whim or slight of men. I'm not talking. sinners tonight and I say that with respect I believe that we should live on purpose and for a purpose so the notion that we could just live to the wind and leave everything up to chance would just be a false narrative I'm talking to people that have committed themselves I'm talking to people that have given of themselves but for some reason heartache And turmoil are constant companions. I'm telling someone tonight, whether it's in this building or by way of the world wide web, don't give up and don't count yourself as some sad case that God somehow forgot about. Paul said all. That means everything. May not be good for you now. But it's all going to work out in the final outcome. So let me tell somebody tonight, keep loving, keep loving him. Keep living and keep living for God. Keep sacrificing unto him. Keep praising and keep devoting yourself unto him because all things work together for good to them that love him and are called. I'm talking about all things, the ups and the downs. Your trials and your triumphs, your tragedies, and your victories, your good times, and your bad times, your times of sickness, and your times of good health, dry seasons, along with seasons of fruitfulness. You see, the goal is the good. The end result is the good. The sum total is the good, and he said everything that happens to you in your life are the active ingredients that work toward it. But I'll say it again. You can't live to the wind, and you can't allow everything to be for chance. You've got to trust him. You've got to place him first in your life, and you've got to seek his will and his way for your life and walk therein. You must allow him to arrange the pieces. And you must allow him to paint the picture. You must allow him to weave the tapestry of your life. And that's exactly what this is. It's a tapestry. It's a journey. It's a combination of events, both good and bad, that produce a final picture. It's an age-old illustration, but I believe it's worth repeating. A tapestry is a form of textile art traditionally woven on a a vertical loom. Tapestries are mostly found in high-quality museums. Tapestry is a weft-facing weaving in which all the warp threads are hidden in the completed work, unlike cloth weaving, where both the warp and the weft threads may be visible. In tapestry weaving, weft yarns are typically discontinuous. The artisan interlaces each colored weft back and forth, back and forth in its own small pattern. It's a plain weft face weave having weft threads of different colors worked over portions of the warp to form the final design. So as the threads are woven back and forth to form the final product, One side shows the design finished, while the underside or the backside appears to be a complete random mess. You see, that's the side that we're on. It would seem that everything we go through is a random set of events and circumstances, but we're only seeing one side of all of this. A poem of unknown origin was popularized some years ago. I'll I'll read it. It sort of puts it all into perspective. It says, my life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow and I in foolish pride. Forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shoots cease to fly. Shall God unroll the canvas? And explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand. As the threads of gold and silver. In the pattern he has planned. He knows. He loves. He cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives his very best to those. Who leave the choice. With him. Although we may not be able to see and identify each situation, and trial that comes our way is good. Even if we cannot identify the individual significance in each one, they all work together for the good. I can't help but think about Joseph when we think along these lines, the story of his life, how he started with a dream. He's starry-eyed and destined for greatness. Soon his life begins an up-and-down Process where he's cast into prison, left for dead, cast into a pit, he's sold into slavery, elevated in position, imprisoned, forgotten, remembered, and subsequently promoted to prominence. After all that happened to him, at the end of that journey, he's presented with an opportunity to exact revenge and in all human thinking right, all wrongs. Yet he, he boldly and graciously proclaims what was meant for evil, God used it for my good. What was meant to harm me, God used it in the final outcome for my ultimate good. And not only me, but many, many others. You see, Joseph understood the ups and the downs. He understood the purpose of the sorrow and the joy. And if our musicians will get ready, you may take your time, but I am coming to a close. It brings us back to Genesis chapter 35, 16 through 19. I promised we would come back here. The Bible says, and they journeyed from Bethel. There was but a little way to come to Ephrath. Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And It came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. It came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. So here we find Jacob and his family journeying from Beth, Bethel to Bethlehem. It's been a long journey. It's been a rough journey. The Bible says they were just a little way from Ephrath, which is actually another name for Bethlehem when Rachel begins to labor with child. And in her departing, as she dies from childbirth, that she names her son, Benoni. Now, in biblical days, we all know that, just as today, children always represent the future. Children always are the hope of future generations to carry on. And the significance in a name was of the utmost importance during these times. Names meant something. The name someone would receive depicted their nature and could quite possibly affect not only their future, but future generations. Rachel named her newborn son Benoni, son of my sorrow. Perhaps the situation seemed too great to a distress to see any good that could come out of this. And I certainly don't want to minimize the circumstance or downplay what happened here. It was a significant life event, and it was a very sorrowful thing that occurred. I am not downplaying, and I am not discounting the weight that was in this. But see, on the other hand, his father knew the significance of a name. He knew what it was like to be named for the situation, live with that name that forever told the story of his life. He knew the significance of a name. He knew what it meant to be named. But he also knew the significance of a name change. So Israel named him Benjamin, son of my right hand. The scripture always signifies the right hand as strength and authority. And so how do we apply this tonight? Let me say it like this. We may see the situation as horrible. We may see the situation as deplorable and unrelenting we may see the situation as dire or distressing and even possibly future ending. But let me tell you something tonight. God sees our situation from a different lens. You see, God sees with a different perspective because he already sees the end from the beginning. So on the road of life, there will be ups and there will be downs, but both are needful. While situations may be dire, they don't have to be future ending. While situations may be distressful, they don't have to have a future negative effect. It doesn't have to end badly because of that situation. You see, if there's no test, there can be no testimony. Without a trial, there would never be anything to overcome. Without adversity, there would be no triumph. Nature itself teaches us that trees need wind to stand upright, and birds need a predator to learn how to fly. You see, there has to be a mess in order for there to be a miracle. Both are needful. Both, both, are, both are good. Not maybe right then but in the outcome, they will be. But we must stay in the middle of his will with the things on the left, the things on the right, right in the center of his will, allowing him to work in our lives. And I'm telling you that he will make something beautiful in the process. You see, there's more truth to the story here tonight. Here's the second part of the story. Jacob and his family were going somewhere. They were headed from Bethel to Ephrath. They were on a journey. They weren't just standing still. They were going through. If you study the word Ephrath, it means literally a place Of fruitfulness. Can I tell you tonight, we're headed somewhere. (laughs) We're on a journey tonight. We're not standing still. We're headed to fruitfulness. They were headed there, and I'm telling you right now, so are we. The Bible says they were just a little way from it. I believe that we are as well. We're just a little ways from it just a little ways from fruitfulness but hear me the closer we get the more difficult the journey will be the closer we get the tougher it will be there will be hardship but the end result is much greater Paul said behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we all shall be changed Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And one final admonition. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm here to tell somebody tonight we're just a little ways from it. Don't call it quits right now. Don't call it quits before it's all over with. And here's my title. Don't name your future based on your present circumstance. You see, the enemy would love to have you walk around defeated. The enemy would love to have you walk around with your head hung low because of the things that have come against you. But the Lord has called you more than a conqueror. The enemy wants to convince you that your situation is going to end you tonight. But the Lord has said differently. You have been called. You have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I'm telling you tonight that if you love him and if you trust him, he's going to see you through and he's going to work it all out for good. So whether the enemy attacks you or life deals you some bad circumstance or situation, know that God can and will work it into a beautiful ending. You see, the final masterpiece is heaven and we'll see it all for what it meant to be in the final masterpiece. Each life, each individual we will come together when we step on that golden shore and we'll see what everything meant. We'll see what he meant in the final outcome at that point in time. But I'm here to tell you we're just a little ways from it. We're not that far away from it. So don't stand there. Just keep walking. Don't name your future based on what's going on right now. Let God name it. Let him call it. Let him say what the final outcome is going to be. Come on, let's stand together tonight. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's ask the Lord to touch us. Will you do that? Let's sing. Let's praise. Let's magnify him in the name of Jesus. We love you right now.